It is time to suck today's dick. I am ashamed to say that I have taken Seth Rogen for granted. I wildly underestimated this man. I had a distinct picture in my mind of Seth Rogen as a mid to late 30s actor, a one-note stoner comedian, as well as what I would have placed him around the age range of Paul Rudd. I missed the story entirely. The tireless hard work Seth Rogen and his co-writer Evan Goldberg have put into over two decades is fucking mind-blowing. I think I'm left with a feeling of awe that Seth Rogen has worked this hard and this long and he's only 38 years old. Two decades and a best-of list that stretches as long as your arm. He has earned his star status, regardless of if you love or hate Seth Rogen. And how could you hate this man? This humble, magic, huggable, awesome bear of a man. The man makes pottery for God's sake. But more than that, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg know story structure and hire the right cinematographer. They might be the right example to show Kevin Smith a different way. And... Seth Rogen and Evan have shown their love of movies through their dedication to story and they have brought us year after year. I've yet to see a cash grab even when forced to write a movie by committee because of the Hollywood industrial complex. Hollywood churns out movies with revisions based on reviews of the general public after plugging in and removing things based on whatever demographic they're targeting. You're left with a steaming pile of shit nine times out of ten. Honestly, this is why I hate cooking for guests. I can make a great pizza for myself. Maybe you'll like it, which is awesome, but I didn't make it for you. I like to spice things for me, cut ingredients to my preferred width, dough thickness. When you make a pizza by committee, you end up with something like Pizza Hut. Undeniably good, but rather uninspired. Will Seth Rogen movies be remembered and loved like the legend of Bill Murray, or is he of a time and will soon be obsolete and forgotten. I personally think his wit, intelligence, and charm will last a very long time. For those that like him, you can enjoy a similar character that goes on many adventures through various movies. A heavyset stoner with an awkward laugh that will angrily whisper at the camera a few words. Oh shit, that doesn't even make sense. This is fucking way longer than I thought it was, I apologize. Um, yeah, basically, people love Mr. Bean. And one could argue Seth Rogen is the stoned, funnier version of Rowan Atkinson. In general terms, he plays a flawed underdog that finally grows in the last act. Although his writing has proven to be top-notch, part of the legend of Seth Rogen is whether his trademark laugh is fake or not. If you're unfamiliar with his laugh, the best way I could describe it is Seth Rogen sounds like Miss Piggy being throat-fucked by Kermit the Frog. (coughs) Or, as one Reddit user, Go Ahead It Won't Break suggests, The fucking guy smokes a bale of California Hydro every day. Of course he giggles like a spastic retard. If this <laughs> might be part of his shtick, an act that he's been saddled with, I feel terrible for him. Imagine doing 90 takes beside James Franco doing... <laughs> uh, Yeah, other than that, I, yeah, I'm going to keep working on that. I apologize, guys. I thought that was way funnier when I was writing it. And, uh, you know, I need to cut that in about half. But 
This is Coach yeah, Coach Canada. I am Tim. I am joined by Chalupa. Hi. Brian. Hello, guys. And this is our hey. episode on Hello, Seth people. Rogen. Woo! We're representing uh, a Canadian. Uh, <laughs> I, there should be a, co- a contest somewhere in the world. I, I feel that Finland one day will do a, a best Seth Rogen laugh contest because they have all the craziest contests, you know, like uh, cell phone throwing, wife carrying, race, uh, air guitar competitions. Is it the Icelanders Seth, that throw Seth Rogen laugh fish? Per- impression? Pardon me? Isn't it the Icelanders that like go out on a lake every year and throw frozen fish to see who can get them the farthest? Oh, fuck it. When I was in New Zealand, we threw uh, boots, gum boots. <laughs> who could throw the furthest gum, gum boot? Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Tim? We're talking about Seth Rogen, a comedy writer, director, and actor. Fucking legend who is only 38 years old, and I'm going to keep driving that point home when you go back to all of his original movies because this is the first that I've learned about it. And in general terms, when somebody rises to fame that way, the narrative always becomes like, oh, they're so young. Look at what they've accomplished. And that just was never the case. I watched Knocked Up. I watched, you know, uh, fucking 40-Year-Old Virgin. I assumed he was in his mid to late 30s. Like, I would have figured he was our age now. Not a less than 25-year-old fucking making yeah. his way in the world. He, uh, like, I listened to his mm-hmm. book, his audio book, the yearbook, and he has all these awesome uh, voice actors come in and tell different stories from out his life and stuff. But he was 14 years old in Vancouver when he started to do stand-up. And then he worked his way to being on Freaks and Geeks by the time he was fucking 18. Like, he moved out of his house, went down to Hollywood, and started his career... And he started it with Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, it's kind of nuts. Stand-up came second place in an amateur comedy festival, uh, like a contest in Vancouver, and then picked up and moved. Was like, all right, I'm funny. I can, I have a validation at 16 years old, by the way, and uh, picked up and moved to L.A., to pursue his dreams good for him yeah yeah it's very ballsy very uh, ballsy he has a bit in his book where he's uh he was selling jokes to a rabbi because he had heard him at uh, one of the comedy stores down there uh, in vancouver i mean and uh so at he like wrote a bunch of dick cutting jokes and like i guess the rabbi still uses them to this day but he like made $500 to go blow on weed <laughs> and try to become a drug dealer from selling <laughs> jokes to a rabbi Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've I've heard him tell that. I don't know where. Maybe Hot Ones. Maybe one oh. of those because he's been on Hot Ones like three different times. Yeah, apparently he can really handle his hot sauce too. Yeah, he seems to love the how can he not do? <laughs> he's been on there. A bunch what of times. can this guy not do? That's the question. <laughs> Make a superhero movie? Ooh, that's true. Has he not for yet? now. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, going to no, defend no, no, wait, wait, wait. this yeah, movie no. when we get there. <laughs> there um, should be, like... Yeah, no, I'll, I'll bring it up later. <laughs> I think we should jump into it at the beginning. Brian, you're kind of the uh, the band leader on this one. Where do you want to take us? Yeah, so Brian. he got his acting debut in Freaks and Geeks. Or as my fantasy basketball team is called, any year I draft Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
freaks and greeks (laughs) 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 but yeah he was in he was in freaks and geeks uh obviously pivotal first role for him dropped out of school moved down to la ends up uh ends up landing this role where he's playing a guy in high school funny enough (laughs) in that role he played Uh, kind of like the mean hide character if i remember correctly yeah uh it's been a long time since i've watched geeks to be honest uh i remember thinking it was okay just a little uh cw not well thought out like it just seemed a little not drab but there's nothing that really like hooked me it was more Mm -hmm. just like i'm watching it because everyone tells me i should watch this not because (laughs) i'm i'm interested in this I was interested in some of the character development. Uh, yeah, um, and like obviously, like you know, like looking back, it's like, oh, there's Jason Segel, there's James Franco, there's Seth Rogen. What did they get up to? Um, I thought the writing was okay, uh, and obviously, a great launching, a launching point for so many of those actors. Oh, absolutely! Great chemistry and uh, get just show their potential. So it's cool to see them grow. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. He was he wasn't so much a bully or he was definitely more kind of a mean guy. But uh, part of that like outcast crew where mm-hmm. they just hated everything and everything sucked and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, very true. You got uh, you got Linda Cardellini who went on to be Velma and Scooby Doo. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was in Brokeback Mountain. She was also in Mad Men. Uh, and the Avengers. And Robot Chicken. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Sam Levine. He is awesome when he shows up on Doug Loves Movies. A rival movie <laughs> review podcast I will no longer speak about. Yeah, do not mention them. Do not mention them again. We're coming he's also, you, Doug. Uh, he's also in Inglorious Bastards, Sam Levine. Yeah, he's in a few. He's... he's... He's incredibly short. <laughs> yeah, he's a tiny, <laughs> tiny adult man. Oh my God, Martin! He didn't really Star. have much of a role in *Inglorious Bastards* either. No, no, tiny role. Who else is in that? Martin Starr. Martin Starr uh, plays Gilfoyle in *Silicon Valley*. Roman in *Party Down*. *Silicon Valley*. I'm gonna watch yeah. *Silicon Valley* if, if, tonight. I've is he the the Lord. kid with? Is he like the younger brother? Uh, in Silicon Valley or in Freaks and Geeks? No, no, Geeks? no, in, in Freaks and Geeks. Uh, he plays Bill Haverchuk. The little brother's uh, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The younger brother. Okay. I was going to say the younger brother. He's uh, in waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, oh, shit. that's uh, John Francis Daly plays the younger yeah. brother, right? Because he, he plays yeah. Mitch in uh, in waiting, waiting, yeah, yeah. How you doing, Mitch? Don't answer that. <laughs> uh, he's also, by the way, uh, John Francis Daly. Fun fact: Spider-Man: Homecoming. One of the writers on it. What? You talk about yeah. You talk about this being a launching pad for so many people. Uh, you got people that moved into writing. Yeah. Izzy Phillips oh, was in like, the 
shit ton of rom coms. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna be the big uh, the big star on the screen, but you can make a lot of money writing comedy. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Well, not from experience. I can just tell you that. <laughs> like common knowledge, you know. Yeah, I wish yeah. I could write. But Busy Phillips, man, she uh, she did all right in a bunch of like rom coms and you know early two thousands comedies like uh, White Chicks, White Chicks. And uh, he's just not that into you. Maid of Honor. And then uh, Cougar Town. <laughs> the TV show. It's not, like, once again, like, you have all these random people that just launched. And these are the, like, these are aside from Seth James and Jason Siegel. Like, <laughs> these are other people that just blew up from this or had sustainable careers. So, uh that's what I think Freaks and Geeks, to me, that's the best thing that did was it launched careers of a lot of people. <laughs> I want to give it the uh, chance it deserves because so many people seem to love that series. Like, it was, yeah. Know, and it keeps popping back up every couple of years. People rediscover it and then it's on Netflix again and then it goes to the top 10 list. And Well, and it's very digestible because it's one season. So it's something that it's not like you you got to get into this big ass long six season thing when someone recommends it or when it pops up right it's one season you have a weekend off work or something or you're like okay yeah, yeah, yeah i could watch i could watch some episodes of this plow through some of it but yeah after freaks and freaks and geeks we get to undeclared the follow up uh <laughs> where not only was he an actor in it, but he was also a writer on Declare. And that seems to be like uh, Seth Rogen and Apatow must have become friends early on. Did he, Apatow, uh, do Freaks and Geeks as well? Like, is that part of the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, And Paul Feig was, uh, was the creator of Freaks and Geeks, I believe. Uh, who is obviously a big name in uh, in Hollywood has done a lot of stuff uh, like the great movie Spy with Melissa McCarthy uh, but mm-hmm. Heavyweights being one of the big things that comes to mind for Paul Feig uh, I love Heavyweights yeah. we should we should do a, like a, a group watch for, for Heavyweights I haven't seen that in so long 100% in, it has to do a, a double feature with Dodgeball right after <laughs> see see it is him so judd apatow just to just to be clear so paul feig created and wrote all 18 episodes of freezing uh geeks judd apatow has co-writing credits on six of the episodes oh, sounds okay. like he's just uh piggybacking off talent right there uh judd apatow piggybacking off people no way no no <laughs> wow. bullshit yeah, and he directed three episodes. Random. So a lot of people credit, and even I credit, uh, Freaks and Geeks to Judd Apatow, but it seems like it's Paul Feig's baby. Yeah. More than anything else. Well, it, uh, even just the, give that he credit fell into the same uh, gravity as, as these guys, like the same orbit, and then it seems like uh, a lot of the Freaks and Geeks people have stuck together. You keep sh- seeing them reappear and help each other out throughout all the different movies. It's a 
like a little ecosystem within the whole. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. Definitely a lot of people met each other and kind of stuck together. Interestingly enough, uh, so Judd Apatow created Undeclared, wrote, wrote it. It's also 18 episodes, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. That it's mm. the identical amount of episodes as Freaks and Geeks. Well, pretty much the same cast, right? Other than the. No, Linda not Kino really. <laughs> I think like only Seth Rogen's one of the only big ones that, and Jason Siegel are kind of the only two that have roles on it. And Seth's the only one that's on it for the whole time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you, you have people like Amy Poehler and Kevin Hart, Fred Willard. Uh, yeah. Oh, Busy Phillips was on a couple episodes. Sam Levine was on a couple episodes. Yeah. The fucking Adam uh, Sandler episode is so good. I uh, so I haven't seen Undeclared, so I'm relying on you guys here. The uh, the Adam Sandler episode, he uh, shows up to do a show at the university, and then uh, he ends up sleeping with one of the uh, college students, which is fucking hilarious. Siegel's character plays like an angry, uh, jealous boyfriend kind of thing, and then yeah, uh, what is nice. her name? I always forget her name. Da, 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 da. Uh, Carla Gallo. She's like the lead uh, uh, actress in the lead movie. female. Yeah. Lead female. Thank you. Um, but throughout uh, a lot of these movies, like Super Bad, Get Him to the Greek. Uh, I don't know about a role in uh, Neighbors, but they always play her like pretty much the same character. Where like she shows up and she's very amorous. Which is just kind of funny that it it's it started here and then repeats all the way through like dozens of blockbuster movies. Mm-hmm. Typecasted. Well, and by the same people, yeah. like she would have been working with Seth at that time. That was an Apatow production, and then <laughs> they reuse her as needed. Uh, so undeclared. What do you guys think? Would you recommend it? Better than Freaks and Geeks? Worse? I They're identified different. more with it. Oh, sorry, man. I didn't mean to jump on you. Yeah, what the fuck? Back the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> they're they're both different. I, I find that undeclared is like your typical college humor, like oh hey, it's so wacky. Oh, I'm such a nerd. Uh, uh, and then freaks and geeks, kind of. I don't know. I'm not sure how to describe it, but um, you kind of kind of just like kind of take a backseat to high school and what these kids are going through junior high senior high and just see what happens there um yeah i don't know I, i'd recommend both i have a i know a lot of people that liked both of them i know a lot of people that didn't like both of them and i don't know it all depends on what you feel but i i i like both, of, both if you have to choose one if i'm gonna go watch one right now what what do i watch Tulupa? uh personally for me i'd probably say undeclared undeclared all right what yeah. about you tim what do you think uh, i'm gonna say undeclared as well but uh with the exemption like it's cringe humor so i didn't enjoy either of these shows all that much i it's mostly based in the uncomfortableness which i find uh it's hard to get through that like lump but i definitely identified more with undeclared and you have a more seasoned seth rogan to look forward to okay well, there is a bit there is a bit in uh <laughs> So Jason Siegel's character in 
um, Precinct Geeks. He's a he's a drummer. He's a big big fan of Led Zeppelin, all these like '70s rock bands. And <laughs> John Bottom dies, and he's just so so distraught. Like he's just upset, and like his, his whole world is just upside down. And um, I forget the the main girl's name. She's just like oh, you know, like trying to like playing not really playing it but she does she doesn't really know about led zeppelin and john bonham and he gets really upset about that so it's kind of funny i couldn't remember that i can't remember the line i i didn't i haven't watched this uh series probably i think that was like the the one where he's bragging about having two more symbols than bonham did but he's still a shitty drummer. no neil peart neil <laughs> peart he's yeah. like yeah i've got like a 45 uh, piece drum kit I'm like holy shit but he's just garbage at playing drums which is funny because I actually think Jason Siegel probably plays drums in real life. Uh, because in I Love You Man, he, he also plays drums. I think I recall him actually playing them in the movie. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he actually plays drums in real life. I don't think he plays the drums. I think he plays, uh, maybe he has a drum kit. Maybe he plays the drums a little bit. But I think in I Love You Man, he plays guitar more so. Uh, he's jumping around everywhere and it's like you know that new sound you're looking for well listen to this then he falls over uh, the Paul Rudd's character slaps the bass slap the bass man yeah and then Jason Siegel's like oh I'm an axe man um let me let me see I'm gonna fact check this young Brian's on it <laughs> we'll uh, get to that oh, there's, there's a new. drum kit there uh, I think, I think he says the, like he dabbles in it every now and then, or plays it from here, uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I have to fucking dude. The amount of why am I going to subscribe to the Rolling Stone online? <laughs> from ten years ago. <laughs> you know like, what? Yeah, I would like to. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Neil Peart. Uh, a tribute to Thunderbolt after Rush featured in I Love You Man. He's the greatest drummer. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, interesting. But yeah, it looks like they do play they play guitar, but there's a drum kit there. I think I just remember maybe there's a scene where they come in and he's talking about the like how he always jerks off into a condom. <laughs> and I think like when Paul Rudd comes in, Jason Siegel's playing an instrument. I always thought it was drums, but maybe it's maybe it's a bass. Who knows? I'll have to rewatch it when we do the Jason Siegel episode. Uh next on the list Best homework ever. is one that uh was produced and acted in by Seth, which is Forty Year Old Virgin. So he was a co producer. Which is crazy, jumping into co-producing and having that prominent of a role, so prominent of a role, so quickly. Yeah, and again, like, how old would he have been in this? He would have been way early twenties, right? Like twenty-two. Yeah, he would have been very yeah. Looked very like he was young, fucking forty when at... he was twenty-two. Mm-hmm. That's that's nuts. Uh. Maybe Judd out one of Judd Apatow's better films, Forty Year Old Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
it it actually holds <laughs> up. Like it was still a fun movie to watch. Uh, some of the humor is definitely very uncomfortable now, just because uh, you've I've gotten used to the without ever really noticing the way that comedy has changed. But uh, I thought it was pretty goddamn funny. Uh, Catherine Keener, absolute star as Trish in Forty Year Old Virgin. Uh, to me, one of the one of the most underappreciated actresses. Doesn't doesn't get a ton of recognition, but like you know, being John Malkovich, Capote, roles like that, she was fantastic. Uh, so I I would like to, I would like to hopefully see her get some recognition because she really doesn't get a ton. The first but time what that a, uh, Elizabeth Banks and Seth Rogen would have worked together as well. Yeah, yeah, first time that they worked together, uh, you got. Of just such a such a massive cast in this movie, and you know Judd Apatow for the for the most part kind of stays in his lane mm-hmm. and doesn't fuck up too much. Is still not the best third act because it's Judd Apatow. But uh, <laughs> uh, am I off base overall, with this? Uh, Leslie Mann, do you think like her comedic timing is so sharp? Like even here, but like all through the Apatow movies that we get her in and the Seth Rogen movies. Could she hold a movie on her own, or is she better as like that, you know, uh, co-star, like making the snide remarks? Uh, I think if a if the movie is written for her, then sure, because you have to remember she's married to Judd Apatow. They've been married since like the not the mid nineties. I didn't know that. Like, yeah, so. It, a lot of times it feels like the parts are just kind of like perfectly written for her, which makes sense. Right. So, but it's no wonder why she's so good in them is because it, it feels like just natural. Having watched... Yeah. And their kids are in the, a bunch of the movies too there, Tim. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They're two, they're two kids. Her comedic timing though, is like when you start, start to watch her cause she plays a similar character through a few of the movies is just so fast and well-timed. Like you said, it's probably like so well-written for her, but uh, mm. I I did not uh, really notice how consistently she's able to, she, she when she's in that moment, she can get that remark in and it comes off so genuine. Like, oh, uh, just the banter is great too. Or actually, like, <laughs> she sounds genuinely annoyed. Like, I remember first seeing, I think the first time I saw her in a movie was Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. And she just plays the really good, like, annoyed... Uh, girlfriend to uh, you know Adam Sandler's buddy. Yeah, you know she's dating uh, John Stewart, which is Adam Sandler's buddy in it, and she's just like, oh god, this catches her friend making out with Adam Sandler. It's like, oh, go wash, he's dirty, and yeah, just always agitated. Yeah, and then like the banter, uh, any any banter that she has with any uh, character going back and forth. Uh, when we get to uh, funny people, that, that, I think she really does a good job being a, a main character in that one. She had mom laughing mm-hmm. at like his in hysterics when she's crying and she's like, how could you cheat on me? I was so hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a bum lost her mind. It was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, and then in 40 year old version when she's, I think she's just incredible when she's driving and she's like, ah, well, let's get some French toast. French toast. <laughs> Yeah, blow into this. Oh, the judge told me I had to get this breathalyzer for driving. Oh, yeah, no, she plays a really good, crazy girl. 
before mm-hmm. we uh, move Crazy on, uh, Seth Rogen's character in this, he was again, it's still not at the lovable stage of his, uh, the movies that like the roles that he would write for himself. This one is like a, a lot more abrasive, like the undeclared and freaks and geeks character. Huh. Yeah, for sure. A uh, couple like funny moments though. Like his, uh, his conversations with Paul Rudd, like the gay conversation they have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, his, I'm not gay. I'm just celibate. <laughs> I mean, that sounds gay. Uh, that sounds pretty gay. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not sleeping with women. That's pretty gay. Uh, like, that's shit. like three conversations away from gay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sleeping with women. Hey, I'm not sleeping with women. Hey, I'm, I think I like dick. <laughs> you know how I know you're gay? Because you listen to Coldplay. Oh, God. Uh, you know how I know you're gay? Because you macrameed yourself a pair of jeans. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the, the, the conversation where he's uh i think he's talking to steve carell uh and he's talking about the uh the horse fucking show in tijuana <laughs> yes it's it's goes like the on opening scene. yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it's the perfect length in a scene to just be to take you to uncomfortable and leave you there long enough to where it gets funny again <laughs> Oh, then and then pass it over, pass the torch to Steve Carell. Hey, how was your weekend? Well, you know, I had this real craving for you know egg salad sandwich. So, <laughs> like five minutes later, like oh yeah, like you just see because we all we've all been Seth Rogen's character. He's like oh yeah, oh how about that? Yeah, that's crazy. What era Steve Carell is this? Is this like a couple of seasons into The Office Carell, or is this like just uh, on The Daily Show Carell? Checking. Because like, uh, if he, he was, this The Office, this came out he was probably filming The Office right at the time of this, because The Office started in 2005, so okay. probably filming The Office around the same time as this. It has different hair than the first season of The Office. Still, though, like, yeah, <laughs> for a Seth Rogen to stand up and be able to hold his own against someone who's as seasoned as Carell, who would have, you know, that much more ability, is pretty goddamn impressive. Like, it's seamless. Yeah, a little bit. Like, Steve Carell, uh, he's definitely older, but The Office is what really launched Steve Carell's career. Before that, he was more like, you know, a sidekick on uh, The Daily Show and... Um, some other TV shows and stuff like that. He didn't really jump into the movie scene yet, or mm-hmm. even main like a major role in uh, TV either. Anchorman. <clears throat> well, like, <laughs> but again, he was just a side, like a side character in that. Is a sporting actor. Yeah. <clears throat> he played uh, Evan Baxter in Bruce Almighty. Backside character. <laughs> Well, he was on the Dana, yeah. Dana Carvey show. Like, he must have had a pretty good, uh, what would you call it? Like, background in comedy, at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much. Oh, for sure. Stranger Him, John Stewart, and Stephen Colbert go way back. Yeah. Yeah. Dana Carvey show had some great sketches. I'll have to send you some of my favorite clips. But I'm surprised that thing didn't launch for, like, another few years. Or kick ass mm-hmm. for another few years. I look forward to it, man. Uh, So... Next on the list for Seth Rogen, we have Knocked Up, 
which he also co-produced. And and this is really where he gets to play the lead for the first time. Yeah. And what a lead. lead role. Yeah. Well, stand-up guy. What a stand-up guy. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and he made <laughs> Catherine Heigl bearable, <laughs> which is which is tough to do because I fucking can't stand Catherine Heigl. She's like the worst. She ruined Suits for me. It was such a good show until she came on. She was in Suits? Oh my yeah. God. yeah. She- I actually liked Grey's Anatomy, and then I saw Catherine Heigl in it, and I'm like, you know what? This is not for me. <laughs> not true i just can't stand that show anyway well there's a major controversy uh, yeah, no. around this movie with katherine heigl is like she ruined her career career by questioning apatow and that made her sound difficult so she lost a lot of work for a lot of years people wouldn't want to work i always with her. thought she just wanted to be a mom i think uh I heard I heard rumors that she was kind of that like on multiple things that she was really tough to work with. Like I heard that Gerard Butler just like tore her a new one for the Ugly Truth, which I think was 2010. Maybe I'm gonna do a quick double check. Leave it to uh, rom coms to ruin someone's career. 2009. <laughs> so a couple of years later, she was in the Ugly Truth, and I remember hearing just like how it was such a like horror show on set. And that she was like a big diva and treating herself like she's not some fucking C-list actress uh, mm. who just who, who's lucky to have a career because she had blonde hair. Uh, wow. You pissed off, you pissed off Apatow? You pissed off Gerard Butler. You're out. <laughs> that's only two strikes. Gerard Butler counts as two. <laughs> she just, I don't know, man. I can't stand her. She's like horrible comedic timing. Uh, and like she's just so bland. Like I would take fucking Kirsten Dunst over her. In oh god, which is, yeah. Hmm. And that that's, that's so you're, you're taking like a quarter of the teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, those if, gums. If we're gonna talk about miscasting, was Seth Rogen right for this role? Because I think so. Okay. Oh yeah. Why? Oh, just like the the, the stoner bum that's he, he's playing himself. Yeah. He's living in the states illegally, <laughs> which I'm sure Seth was doing. Well, no, Seth ha- does have American citizenship through his father, but yeah, like Canadian living in LA, just getting high with his buddies and just hanging out, and he does a fucking funny job. Like, and then I love Leslie Mann and uh, Paul Rudd's characters being like the, well, the sister and then the in-law, mm-hmm. the brother-in-law. Fuck, it's like. Don't do what they did. I'm going to do what they did. Oh, no. Someone's getting homeschooled. <laughs> I think the only reason he was miscast is because he doesn't look as young as what he's supposed to be. And I think that would set a completely different tone for the movie. Like, if you would have had... not a, You would need somebody with his comedic timing or ability to pull off the movie. Because I'm not saying this movie isn't great. Isn't fucking a movie that I will continue to go back to and watch and enjoy but he's supposed to be 23 years old. So I think it just, I never realized that. He's supposed that to be 23 watch. in the movie? He's supposed to be 23 in the movie. Wow. I always thought, I thought he was thought like, like a 30s. Yeah. He wasted his 20 getting high, talking about building a website. But like it, it shines a different light on it when it's just a kid who got a girl pregnant, who's been living off of his, uh, uh, what was it, an accident? He got his foot wrote and run over by a bus in Vancouver. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's been <laughs> living yeah. off the Roll settlement. That. I got three grand left, so that should last me like six years. Yeah. <laughs> 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 living with like six other roommates. Yeah, I don't when know when they who, have the earthquake uh, and he goes for the bong instead uh, of her when she's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fuck you like oh, that. Oh, that pink eye. Oh no, <laughs> I need to rewatch this movie. I haven't seen it in like ten years. Well, and this was the start of his kisses like... or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Was, I haven't watched this movie in a while, but there are scenes that still uh, still stick around. You could get pink eye from farting in a pillow? <laughs> totally. Uh, the pettiness when they're at the doctor's office and he's just screaming at her after she kicked him out of the car on the way there. He's like, you're not a bitch. Your hormones are a bitch. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I would never call you a bitch. Your hormones are fucking crazy. It's a girl. Peace. <laughs> Buy some pink shit. Um, uh, this is also the start though, of Seth Rogen's, uh, like, uh, comedic, like he, he's got a shtick and like the angry whisper starts here that starts going into every single movie as he writes some scene for himself to talk really fast and really quietly. And then it's, I don't know. I watched too many Seth Rogen movies back to back. It's annoying now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure to find that I talk like him all the time. <laughs> I I can yeah I know exactly what you're talking about with that kind of shtick, and uh, it's entertaining. It's a it's like it's like a quieter Vince Vaughn. Uh, <laughs> it's just like going really fast at a specific point, and usually he's very very high when it's happening. Erroneous, erroneous. Uh, <laughs> uh, but even just it, there's subtle humor in this movie that I appreciate, and it's like even when she when she tells him. Uh, she's pregnant. He's like pregnant with emotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that, just that, just that little hope, right? That little hope that she's not pregnant, right? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Leslie Mann, when overall. They're, they're trying out the like dozens and dozens of pregnancy tests, and she th- picks up the wrong one. She's like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Oh, it was a lot of years. Fuck, that would have sucked. <laughs> oh, the fu- the uh, uh, Alan Tudyk and uh, when they're doing the interview and he's telling her to tighten up. I can't tell you to lose weight, but just tighten up. Uh, we got Harold Ramis in this too. Oh mm-hmm. fuck, he did as the job. father. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whatever you do, you. Whatever. Oh, Bill Hader has a little role in it. Same with yeah. Kristen Wiig, yeah. Ken Jeong, Craig Robinson in it. So Craig Robinson can't have old pregnant white women running around here. Who was me? <laughs> I tap that. Yeah. Oh, good old Craig Robinson. You know, I can only let what? What is it? I can only let one black person for every six people. <laughs> You're right. I'm so sorry. I fucking hate this job. I don't want to be the one to pass judgment, decide who gets it. <laughs> oh, man. At least if I let three people in, three white people in, I let in a midget. <laughs> Fucked up shit. Uh, don't worry, I can't man. let you in because you're old as fuck. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't have a bunch of old pregnant bitches running around. <laughs> <laughs> Makes everyone sad. Kill the vibe. Oh, uh, it's just 
because I fucking love Craig Robinson. Like he's one oh. of my favorite comedians. Yeah. Does he do stand up as well? Uh, he yeah, he does. Have, like back in the day, stand up. So he does a lot. He does a lot of musical stand up. I've actually seen him live. Is oh, kind shit. of the same shtick as uh, as like Zach Galifianakis, where it doesn't yeah, need to be the music piano. for the most part, but mm-hmm. but it is. <laughs> so it sounds nice. And it's funny. Yeah, exactly. So that's what's important. Tim, uh, are we still recording? <laughs> it didn't stop uh, an hour ago. Nope. Perfect. Need to put a new jewel pod in at all? Or are you good? <laughs> You had to recharge. Trent's so hard uh, to quit. It's miserable. <laughs> so, we go from knocked up, and we're just kind of getting hit after hit after hit rolling, and we're still early on. And then we get to written, produced, acted, super bad. Oh. Uh, Magnus Opus. We haven't done a top a toe-to-toe comedy episode. Uh, spoiler alert, I think Superbad's my number one comedy of all time. I fucking love this movie. To it's this definitely day, my top five. To this day, I can go back and watch Superbad and still like just die laughing at it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just so, so well-rounded as a comedy. It doesn't get enough credit for like the subtleties in it. And I don't think I, I would put it in cast. my top 10. It's good. Wow. It, it's good. But that cringe humor, it always makes me... I think of the first season of The Office, I can't ever go back and watch that. Like, I just feel so embarrassed. I think that's because I see myself in those characters' shoes, so I don't want to <laughs> relive it through a movie. <laughs> There's, I've rewatched Super Bad probably about 10, 15 times. I don't find there's much like cringe worthy humor in it though. Like what specifically like jumps out to you from it if you remember? Um I know it's probably it, been a while since you watched it. Just the absolute awkwardness of that opening where he's talking about like the the porn that he wants to watch and then he gets spit on. Like that just feels so uncomfortable to me. I think I'm using cringe wrong, but like it uh, it just. I mean, I... if it makes you cringe, then you're using cringe right, which sounds like you are. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are some. No, I agree. There are some cringe moments for sure. Um, definitely when he's talking to like Emma Stone uh, at the end of the movie, and he's all drunk, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, like this and this." And it's like, "Oh no!" Like, could <laughs> being so like being like a horny high school guy and trying to <laughs> just just be oh, just fuck. be a normal dude. She likes you for who you are, man. And then how Michael Sierra is like always so awkward around her. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the one girl. Um, <laughs> I'm so wet. Yeah, that's what they said. That would happen in health class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is why I think this but movie it's high is school. so great. High school is super awkward and cringy. You have to go with it. Exactly. This movie has enough where... And Tim, you kind of alluded to it. It feels like it could be very real. Like you have these three kids trying to go to a party, trying to impress these girls that they've had crushes on for a while. Uh, One of them got a fake ID, but it's like the stupidest fake ID. (laughs) Like I know friends that got fake IDs and it was like, this looks so dumb. Like, why are you 24? Like you clearly don't look 24. 
Yeah, there's always something stupid on fake IDs when it's like a 60 year old that's getting. Uh, what names? Who are you, Seal? <laughs> Being born in '88 was awesome because we figured out that if you took uh, like a, a very straight edge, like a razor, and you shaved off the eight to into a three. a three, and then you had to do it on the top code and fill it in with uh, clear nail polish. Oh man, just. You got me thinking about that whole conversation, though, Chalupa. It's like, why would it be between that or Muhammad? Muhammad is the most commonly book. used name on Earth. Read a fucking book. Oh, McLovin? What are you, an Irish R&B singer? <laughs> just oh. the one-liner insults are so great. Like, I, I just quote the one-liner insults, and I'm so happy when somebody re- gets the reference, too, because like those ones aren't super popular with the movie it's not like your typical like chicka chicka yeah fake id fake id but uh <laughs> oh the, the probably one of my favorite scenes is gotta be when <laughs> jonah hill goes to buy alcohol at the grocery store <laughs> and he keeps having the different realities go through his mind <laughs> oh, yeah. would you like to buy would you like me to buy you alcohol that would be lovely. <laughs> Enjoy your many years. I will. Have fun fucking jewels. I will. <laughs> the security guard is like, don't do it. <laughs> Throws the bottle, kills the guy, and then just slashes his throat. Oh, man. No, like, I died. I died laughing. Watch that. I had to rewind it like eight times. Like, what Some the of fuck the, is that? the throwaway you know jokes that You know when you hear girls say, oh, go ahead, Tim. Some of the throwaway <laughs> jokes that could have easily been cut in any other movie, but like they're in the bathroom and Jonah Hill just like turns around to one character and he's like, yeah, well, you pissed your pants in uh fuck it. Oh, and they were on the soccer field. You pissed your soccer pants field in. Uh, Come on, Evan, play defense. I <laughs> was eight it's years soccer. ago. People it's don't soccer. forget. People don't forget. That <laughs> <laughs> was like eight years ago. People don't forget. I think that was Franco's little brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I gotta go back home and change. I I can't go back to get back home. I gotta change though. No one's gotten a hand hand job in cargo shorts since Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for stepping on you, Brian. What were you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say what he's talking about. Like, uh, you know, when you hear girls say, "Oh man, I was so shit faced last night. I shouldn't have fucked that guy." We could be that mistake. <laughs> like, when he's trying to sell them on the party. Oh the complete, oh. like the entire home ex scene at the beginning when it's like, he's like, no, no offense. This is like, everyone knows the home ex is bullshit class. No offense. No offense. <laughs> this is like fucking bullshit. Sorry for cursing. <laughs> I'm here working always by myself. I'm like a single mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cooking and cleaning. I'm a single yeah. mom. Look, look at Evan over there. Get this apron tied. Yeah, hurry up. <laughs> Don't even come back there. Like, that was just the funnest thing in my, in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> Am I going to be a chef? No. There's three weeks left of school. Give me a fucking break. I'm sorry for... <laughs> sorry for... Sorry for... Sorry. <laughs> oh. No disrespect. No disrespect. <laughs> like, in this might show, but so. apparently Seth and uh, Evan Goldberg, his co-writer, like, I guess he's kind of like not secret but just always in the shadows the he, anything that seth writer. writes he's pretty much there but because uh, they grew up together in vancouver and they started writing this movie when they're 14 years old yeah and it shows because it feels very realistic it's legit. for high school mm-hmm. yeah it's not some bullshit you know 
fairy tale or over dra- dramatic high school thing where it's like oh yeah like don't get me wrong a lot of high school movies like portray something that very well could happen in high school but it's like almost got a ferris bueller-esque feel to mm-hmm. it where it's comedy and lots of fun and everyone's loving it but it's truer you know it's it's more and it's it involves school and being around other schoolmates not just your friends i don't know, you know if there's it the was one guy a... that hawks a loogie and spits it on you <laughs> I don't know if it was a conscious choice, but like when they separate the two worlds, you've got uh, Fogel going off with the cops. That's a whole cartoonish world where you like you dropping in for like over the top laughs. And then you get the realism of these two friends trying to say goodbye. Like it's and then like you're way over the top again and then right back down. So this movie and I think this is something that can be said about every one of the shows and movies that Seth and Evan write are so fucking well paced. You're not bored halfway through. You're not thinking, oh my God, is this a two hour movie? You are in it and it's just beat for beat for beat. It's so well paced. It's a roller coaster of emotion. It's just, this movie is so dense. And that's the thing. So I I liken this writing to like John Mulaney. You ever watch like a John Mulaney stand up? It's just, even when he's telling a 20 minute story, it's just so littered with jokes and laughs. It, this movie is like that. It's just so dense and there's shit to laugh at all the time. Uh, it's consistent and it's just the right amount of ridiculous. Uh, like the fact that they bring liquor in fucking laundry detergent jugs. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> ridiculous, but it it feels real. It feels like something that <laughs> you do. If you were just in that situation, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to steal liquor. What are you going to do? The laundry detergent jugs. I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. Well, you got there. Laundry the detergent. Way. Yeah. Why do you have it? <laughs> <laughs> and like, and everything is kind of happened to us, I'm sure, in some way or another. Like, have you ever been at a, like, at a party where you don't really know anybody and then you go into the one wrong wrong room and you're like, oh, I don't belong here. And they're yeah. just like, hey, you, you want to hang out with us? It's like. I do now. <laughs> I don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> I just, I just ignore me. We'll just hang out, and then when we get up to leave, we'll do that together. The drunken <laughs> pizza bagel again. reconciliation uh, on the floor of like a parent's house where you, you're coming to terms with something with a buddy. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, that scene. The scene with Michael, Sarah in that room singing these eyes uh <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous it's it reminds me of so like another comedy i really like is euro trip we've talked about it before yeah and the singing scene when he's in the bar and they're like yeah. they're like sing us sing us a fucking anthem uh, and he's like, my baby takes the morning train. <laughs> it's just that same kind of like, I'm around a bunch of drunk people. I feel threatened. All right, I'm just going to go along with this and sing. Uh, it's, it's fucking great. I love it. Oh, you're, you're, you're his brother, aren't you? You better sing. Yeah, sing like a bird. <laughs> <laughs> He's driving <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so good, so good. Could, uh, we could, we could, we could do a whole episode on that movie alone. Oh, we we really could. It could be like a, a rewatch episode, like mm, a watch. I'd be down for that. And um, like the intro too, 
Is it James Brown singing? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should start like and, goals. Like we talked about uh, doing rewatches or live streams. If we had a certain amount of viewers or downloads, we'll jump on and do that. Give a people a yeah. reason to spread our name. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, fun fact about the, so anyone that ever watched this movie back in DVD days, uh, you will know that the main menu, the title menu it has Michael Sarah doing that whole like dance routine from the intro yep. <laughs> uh, on loop, but it's like 40 minutes of him dancing. Wow. Like, oh so God. they just had him just go and dance like nonstop ridiculousness for a absurd amount of time. And just to just for that, uh, which I also think is kind of hilarious. And, just shows the the level of commitment that these guys all put into the movie. Uh, Incredible. Then my last point around this, and this is with Seth Rogen's and Evan Goldberg's writing in general, is the similes and the metaphors that they use when they write are just they're they're so they convey the message so well like when he when when seth's talking and he's like he, he's uh seth is in uh jonah hill's character uh he's like eh, he's the sweetest guy have you ever looked into his eyes it was like the first time i heard the beatles <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow i never thought about that man you are so hitting the nail on the head that's fucking amazing yeah they do such a good job with that or like when he's like, "Yeah, chicks go for nut, go nuts for that." The male camel toe, yeah, yeah, the camel tail, <laughs> like just <laughs> random stuff that really, in in most in most movies, you could be like that. Yeah, you don't need that. That could be cut. Like that scene's not crazy important, but it works in this for some reason. It's just like the density of the movie and the how they're writing. It just works in it just layers on to the characters. Yeah. I never put it together until now that the main characters are named Seth and Evan. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, Michael Sarah is Evan Goldberg and Jonah Hill plays Seth Rogen, which is, I mean, kind of, kind of funny (laughs) when you think about, uh, when you think about them now. Well, Seth is like only about a year older than Jonah Hill, and originally he was slated to play the the lead uh, as Seth, but then he realized like it, he looked he didn't look the part as a high schooler. No, no, he looks way too old. <laughs> Where Jonah Hill, you could kind of pass him with a little Jufro. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually, going back, you know, in um, in Knocked Up, no, not Knocked Up. Pardon me. Forty Year Old Virgin when Steve Carell goes with Cat uh, Denning. To yep. a little like sex education thing. Um, there's the one kid that's like, Oh yeah, my big dick, where's the magnum condoms? And it's like, oh Seth, you have a tiny penis. That's another one where it's like, <laughs> Oh, that's Seth Rogan. <laughs> your little Jew fro. You think you're cool with your Jew fro? It's amazing. <laughs> oh man. Um we spent a lot of time on you know uh the, the males in this movie. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Emma females Stone. in this movie. Emma Stone. Welcome to Hollywood. What up? Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, what a what a launching point for your career, right? Oh man, like she was just in movie after movie after movie when uh, she had this role. Yeah, after she had this role. She yeah, just such a launching point and uh, just great comedic timing for for her. Uh, really good role, really good role overall. And uh, to think just, that she's uh, actually memorable when she only probably gets like what ten lines total throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it's not it's not a ton of lines. In most of it, it's like there's a couple where a couple of scenes where it's not around uh it's not around like any of the other main characters uh like evan or seth i should say but for the most part all of her lines are kind of with with you know seth yeah. uh, so very very interesting that she was able to kind of take off from this and i'm sure at one point we'll do We'll do a full thing on her because she's had quite the career and it'll just continue to grow and grow and grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And including an Oscar win. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's an excuse yeah. for me to go watch Cruella because if it's got Emma Stone in it, it's probably decent. You've never watched an Emma Stone movie usually and thought that was hot garbage other than the one where she played an Asian. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Cruella, there was there was Oscar buzz around it when it first came out. So we'll see kind of, you know, to date this podcast where we're getting close to the announcement of uh, of the Oscar nominees. So <laughs> just to date us and let people know when we recorded this, when they listen to it, you know, whenever. Seven years down the road after Tim makes it big. <laughs> hey, I ain't going anywhere with and you forgets guys. Aaron and I in the in the in the back no. background. No, yeah, just remember that I'm the behind. handsome, talented ones, and you guys are my Evan Goldberg, and you can sit there and make me millions. <laughs> um, so then... Uh, Martha, Martha McIsaac, pardon me. I just want to throw oh, that yeah. up there. From PEI. Mm-hmm. You can tell because of the teeth. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she actually had to dye her all over, over her hair from uh you know her natural ginger look her face was stained with potatoes so they had to put on extra makeup <laughs> oh man could you could you uh could you not tell with a last name like mcisaac that she's a ginger what <laughs> well, did you, uh, tim did you know that her parents were actually in toy story no mr and mrs potato head <laughs> nicely done Nicely done. Uh, God, God. We just uh, did gotcha. super bad. What's the next one on our amazing list of Seth Rogen? Uh, so we kind of this can we delve into Kung Fu Panda, but this can more so be a discussion because he's done a ridiculous amount of voice work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like an mm-hmm. absurd amount. Like around that same time as Kung Fu Panda, like Spiderwick Chronicles, Horton Hears a Who. Monsters versus Aliens, uh, the video game for Monsters versus Aliens, <laughs> uh, just just so much voice work, so much, and it, it's such an icon- iconic voice, big time. I've yeah. enjoyed uh, the voice work that he's done and the characters that he has brought to life, but is this part of the overarching story where Seth Rogen plays? similar characters like he's not a master of disguising his voice 
I'm not saying they're not enjoyable. I'm not saying they're not good, but very similar Seth Rogen-y characters well, throughout. Well, typically you'd think, say, oh, Seth Rogen, kind of like a, you're, you're in a, with his voice, you probably think of like an oafish character, larger character, or something like that, or like lazy or lethargic. But he plays a really fast, like almost like mouse-like character in Horton Hears a Who. Mm-hmm. That's super fast, and he's just tiny and stuff. But like the, the voice totally suits it. Yeah, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's just completely opposite. Where mm-hmm. you would normally be like, oh well, I bet Seth Rogen does the voice for Horton, who is an elephant. But yeah. no. Well, a lot of people like I'm drawing the comparison in my mind to like Mark Hamill with the Joker, like though that's somebody that can lose themselves and create a distinct character. Or are you putting a Seth Rogen on top of a animated movie like they do with a few of his other films that are upcoming? I don't think so. Like Kung Fu Panda, he plays Mantis, right? Uh, which is a, a little bit different than how he normally is mantis is kind of a dick uh <laughs> i don't well, know it's do do this too like who's another guy with a very iconic uh voice will arnett you know or 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 what's his name pa- patrick warburton mm-hmm. you know does voice for cronk does the voice for you know uh, does voices in uh or a voice for a character in archer does a voice uh, for a character in uh family guy all kind of the same, all a little bit different. Like you can tweak your voice. Like they, well, he, you can definitely hear the difference between Patrick Warburton's regular voice and then when he's doing one for Family Guy for Joe. Um, yeah. And I think or Seth Rogen does H. that. John Benjamin. Yeah. Pardon me, H. John Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but he's he's not like a, a a bigger actor like for his face, you know, like acting on yeah. on film. He's more of an, a character. Sorry, an animated actor voice actor part of me um but will arnett you know he's he's lego batman but that's a lot like his job character i'm not and i'm like he does the voice for also horton here's a who but his he puts a russian twist to it because he plays this vulture Mm -hmm. at this point i guess i'll rephrase it has seth rogan been branded like when you go into a seth rogan movie do you expect to see the seth rogan brand at this point now no. probably the only thing i would i would imagine seeing seth rogan would be like okay he's gonna be stoned okay yeah yeah that's the that's the one thing that i would typecast uh i would typecast to him as more so like even did, have you guys seen invincible yet the animated series fucking love it no so fucking i've heard bad. good things yeah i it's really good. Uh, if you're if you're into like comic books at all, like even if you're not, it's good. But uh, it's entertaining and it it parodies a lot of superheroes by, but also is still interesting on its own. But Seth Rogen actually uh, voices a character in that, and mm-hmm. like it took me a second to like realize, like oh yeah, oh yeah, this is Seth Rogen because it's not how you'd think like a Seth Rogen character would be at all. So yeah, it's uh, I think, I think he can do different things in terms of, uh, in terms of voice acting a hundred percent on the mark. Yeah. He he has grown. Definitely. I could, uh, and do those voice acting roles. Mm. Do you Uh, want to just go through all the uh, different voice acting he's done since we're just on that topic? Yeah. So, 
Uh, where did I leave off? I touched on. Um, it would be monsters, uh, versus, monsters versus aliens. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have uh, more kung fu panda. You have Shrek. So he's in uh, Shrek as well. Uh, and Shrek's the first thrilling one? tales. Uh, no, not the first one. I think he was in. He was the ship captain in third. Shrek the Third, if I remember correctly. Uh, you can pull it up once uh, as we slowly get there. There's just so much in his list. Uh, I think we may have covered it all by like what we said. Like I know he does Lion King and stuff, party. but like we've yeah, sausage party. I, that, that was one I figured that we could talk talk about a bit more just because the, mm-hmm. the stellar cast and um, it, it kind of <laughs> it uh, it definitely opened people's eyes when it came to theaters like oh wow (laughs) yeah sausage party sausage party for me it definitely had some laughs but the laughs were i felt like i laughed it was one of those movies where i laughed at the parts that like i was in an audience full of people they're laughing at like the like obvious parts and i'm laughing at like hummus jokes and stuff like that uh <laughs> like that kind of that kind of stuff it, that's the kind of stuff that would get me that would make me laugh in a movie like that more more than <laughs> the fact that edward norton's doing a voice for a jewish bagel <laughs> yeah yeah um lion king tim had mentioned was one of the other ones where seth voiced pumbaa uh it was kind of you know i mentioned invincible the boy yep. is diabolical. I'm not sure if he'll have a voice in that or not. I don't think he will actually. I think he does everything else, but that Big Mouth. Yeah, yep. uh, he did some voice acting in Big Mouth. Uh, uh, Spider Verse Chronicles as well. Yeah, Santa Inc. Really? Another okay. one. I got some strong yeah, opinions on Santa Inc. that uh, I think are worthwhile getting into now um it is a minefield to get into this show it seems very divisive uh what seth rogan came out instead after there was a widespread hatred for this movie it's one of the lowest uh, sorry series it's one of the lowest rated things on uh, or at least it was for imdb for a time um he said like oh we really pissed off the white supremacists with this one <sighs> now I sat down and I tried to watch a couple of the shows. And what I will say is it looks gorgeous. It is absolutely cool animation. Uh, the dialogue and the writing is obviously pretty smart because you have Sarah Silverman, Seth, Evan. You have very creative, interesting people behind it. But it comes out as so heavy-handed with the messaging that uh. it's uncomfortable. Um, we're... A South Park will make fun of everybody and throughout the different shows, there might be a message that comes up that they want to talk about. And one of the Reddit things that I saw, the best explanation was a stand-up comedian coming out and making fun of everybody in the room can be pretty funny. A stand-up comedian walking out, pointing out somebody in the crowd and making fun of that person is just uncomfortable. So I think that's kind of what happened here. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I I can I can see that. I mean, I've uh I've definitely been in a been in a room. I've done shows, not just like been uh, in a room, but I've done shows where other comedians will pick out like just pick on someone in the crowd. It's okay for the first few jokes, but if they keep going for a while, it just gets tired very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's just like, man, this guy this guy's really really like just digging in. Uh, there are times where like a comedian like Andrew Schultz, he can get away with it because he's so good and he's laughing while doing it. And like, you can tell he's just clowning around. Yeah. Whereas, uh, like there are comedians that do it kind of deadpan and it's like, all right, you're, you're just coming across like a douche. Uh, I also think South Park does a good job of like towing the, going from subtle to ridiculous to subtle to ridiculous. Like South Park hits that kind of ebbs and flows very well with that kind of humor. And I haven't seen Santa Inc, but like the vibe that you gave in is what I've heard from other people is it, it doesn't seem to be good at subtle humor, No, which is disappointing because Sarah Silverman is actually very underrated for her subtle comedy. Like, a lot of people like her for the brash things that she says, but uh, I actually find that when she's subtle, uh, it's some of the best comedy out there. Small, not necessarily cameos, but just single scene roles uh, that he's been really iconic in. And the one that comes to mind for me is Step Brothers. It was so good. Uh they perfectly cast him for that, like just momentary. You're like, hey, bit. yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's such a it's such a well cast bit. He he delivers it well, and it makes me kind of want to see. Even though objectively they're kind of a weird duo, it makes me want to see a little bit more of Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen just to see if Will Ferrell, like what he, how he would push Seth Rogen's buttons a little bit. I I think you could get, it would be one of two things. It would be either absolutely fucking amazing or absolutely trash. So amazing in a different way. (laughs) It would, it would be very interesting to see what that would be like longer than five minutes or not even a five minute scene personally. John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are friends or something, and Seth Rogen is John C. Riley's illegitimate son. Movie and go. Mm. The what end. Go. <laughs> That's the end. Okay, now it's, go. It is the end. That's the entire movie. Yeah. It lasts about an hour of worth of jokes, and then everything else is just tacked on. <laughs> I bet he could actually be biologically their kid. Uh, not biologically, part of me, but like for a timeline. Oh shit, maybe. Yeah. Will Ferrell's got to be like, yeah, he's got to be pushing sixty soon. Yeah, I think <laughs> maybe he, not I sixty, he but he he doesn't look well. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I think he he's probably like right around Will Ferrell age. It's weird to oh, think wow. of Will Ferrell being closer to uh, Bill Murray's age than Seth Rogen's. <laughs> uh, yeah, 54 years old, Will Ferrell. 
Oh, I heard of a uh, an awesome quite. new uh, fucking uh, timeline for like aging actors. It's the Wilford Brimley line, and uh, I guess there's a Twitter account that just announces when everybody anybody ever crosses it. So it's like 51 or 52. It's the age Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. So just like every day, they just update it with whichever uh, celebrity has reached the Wilford Brimley line. <laughs> oh man. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that they could? Well, it would be. I think it would be either really good or really bad overall. Uh, I think but that you I would. I would still want to see. I think that you could easily fall into the trap of what's expected, where Seth Rogen is going to play more of a straight man to Will Ferrell's caricatures. So, but that movie's been done. So it would be a interesting thing if they took the time and really wrote out an interesting movie together. Hmm. What do you think, Chalupa? Yeah, no, no. Anybody that does a that writes a movie with um, oh, the baby Seth Rogen. <laughs> Freaking get Sabrina to write a movie with uh, Seth Rogen. It'd be a fucking box office hit. Hmm. The baby that yells touchdown every time there's a touchdown for a football game. Damn, man. Sorry about that. The little one just freaked the fuck out, like screaming. So I was using the the little... uh, she anti-mandate as well yeah no she's uh she's mandating freedom 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 from this crib this is mandate freedom from this crib back of the pile i i I would love to see seth rogan do more stuff with john c riley and and will ferrell big time oddly Mm. enough i think john c riley is a better match because ferrell tends to be closer to a cartoon Seth is usually grounded more in reality, so I don't know. But it, I think it definitely could be interesting if you have two all stars like that wanting to work together. The other guys too, yeah. where he places Mark Wahlberg. You know, like maybe not a father son thing, but I could actually see like Will Ferrell being Seth Rogen's older brother. Oh, yeah, huh. he, he could play that. Yeah, yeah that would be interesting. That would be and, then to deal. and then if Harold Ramis was still alive, he'd be the dad. <laughs> um, what do you guys think? Tell us in the comments. <laughs> Write us an email. Tell us what you think. Should Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen do a movie? Could it work? And if you have a movie idea like that, what movie would you like to see them in? Give us a premise. An elevator pitch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Is that it with uh, Step Brothers? I think so. There's not much more to it other than that one scene. Yeah. Good movie, though. Uh, one great, of the better Will Ferrell comedy. movies. Yeah. Really, really good laughs. And to this day, still, you can go back and watch it and get some solid laughs in it. We'll definitely cover it in another night when we cover Will Ferrell or someone, but... So then we get to Pineapple Express, which is another one where it is produced, written, and acted in by Seth Rogen. I you guys watched Pineapple Express recently? 
I just watched it today. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I was enjoying it. I loved it so much. It was so fucking good. Um, <laughs> see, he's just serving people at the beginning to Electric Avenue. It's incredible, <laughs> calling into all these talk radio shows, just telling them off. Amber mm. Heard is his girlfriend who's still in high school. Oh, fuck. <laughs> goes goes to her house for like to meet the parents and everything. I don't know if it's conscious choice. Fucking but... kite. <laughs> Drug dealers, Dale. God. Uh, okay. Uh, what I was just gonna say is that uh, f- I don't know if it was a conscious choice, but if you look back at all of the Seth Rogen movies up until this point and going forward. He generally uses age-appropriate women, women that are a couple of years within his own age range. Like, it's never kind of gets into that weird 80s action movie where the woman's, like, 20 years older that's playing the love interest. Or, sorry, 20 years younger that's playing the uh, love interest. But, uh, yeah, and only here, and it's because it's the joke. It's, uh... What's the best way to say this? Pineapple Express to me is a good movie for the side comedy. So like the the serving, the the girlfriend, like all of that is hilarious to me. But the main story itself and I like a good ridiculous comedy does nothing for me and i thought i thought i was just like man i must have been in a bad mood when i watched it or something and i watched it again maybe like two months ago and uh it just once again i find myself like laughing enough at the other parts to make up for it but overall it's just like uh uh that's that's kind of that's kind of how I view Pineapple Express, and I feel like I'm the minority, and I understand that. I accept any backlash I'm about to take. <laughs> On this rewatch, you know, like we've talked about recasting a few times. What if you were to re- replace James Franco with somebody better? Because I've I don't have really can think of a role that I've enjoyed uh, Franco in. If you would have replaced him, and I know this is a crazy one, but I pulled Elijah Wood for some reason as like the drugged out stoner dealer, I think that would have been a lot better of a pairing. Would have made you care a little bit more about the character. James Franco's a weird one for me. Because I don't dislike James Franco. But there are only a couple movies that I can think of where I've been like, yeah, man, James Franco was perfect for that role. Right? Uh, like 127 Hours. I don't know who else you'd cast in that. I think he did a really good job in that movie. Uh, it's kind of, And his relationship to Seth Rogen also makes certain roles in certain movies good because they have that chemistry. Had. This one for me doesn't really do it, but like The Night Before. Yeah. Like when, when the, the texting dick pics, when he has Mindy Kaling's phone accidentally, oh. uh, it's just like, you know, you know, the guy, when the guy's name's James, that's going to be James Franco. You just know the whole time that's going to be James Franco. 
but it's still like the perfect role. Uh, and it's just ridiculous. And then the, like the whole time, like uh, Mindy Kaling's trying to hook up with him at the party <laughs> at the end, but like Seth and him are vibing out. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's perfect. Right. <clears throat> so, but I get what you're saying. Like, I don't know. James Franco, there are movies where if I feel like that connection isn't necessary, then yeah, you can definitely get a better actor than him. That's for sure. <laughs> Does it have the same comedic level? Who knows? Tough to say. Um, but I feel like Seth Rogen's a good enough and Evan Goldberg are good enough writers that they'd be able to they'd be able to get you know, write or tweak a script for someone else. Right. Is it appropriate if we talk about the Franco Seth Rogan relationship at this point? Like, I don't know how yeah. much there's really to say. Like, because that was a yeah, bring it up. I have no idea. Uh, a friendship that started back in Freaks and Geeks. They worked together. Um, they would continue to do a few more movies, but uh, after the allegations with James Franco and his uh, his acting school, where he was kind of using his position of power to get the students to sleep with him and this kind of like really greasy shit happening. He had Seth Rogen came out and was like, that's without ever speaking to him said like, that's completely disgusting. I won't be working with Franco anytime in the future. I don't know what he knows that he immediately cut him out like that. But uh, yeah, that that friendship's dead and gone. Uh, yeah, it was like I I honestly couldn't remember if they've done anything since then or not. The whole thing with James Franco, uh, definitely the one that came out was a, a little bit weird. It's a, a complicated bit, uh, one, different. Yeah, and once again, it kind of it's one of those things where it toes the line. Uh, it toes the line a little bit in terms of uh, in terms of like where there's enough where there's you know where there's enough smoke there's probably fire but we're at this i'm always of the token innocent until proven guilty yeah so it's it's kind of you're kind of in this weird middle ground and the whole me too movement's like that in general where it's like you sound like a nazi brian (laughs) yeah i'm i absolutely am god forbid that i want proof I think that Uh, i equated a lot in my mind to like the louis ck stuff where there's that position of power and I still don't think I fully understand it because I'm a white heterosexual male. But at the same time, if Louis C.K. walked into a room and he's like, yo, you know, can I jerk off in front of you? Like, you don't. What am I going to say if I think I have a chance at getting into a show with Louis C.K.? You, you, you just want to jerk off in front of me? That's it? Yeah. You don't want any more? I'm, uh, I don't know if that's the line, if that's the million like, dollar like, line, you, I'm going to let him fucking spunk. Wanna, like... I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> but like, even like Sarah Silverman had mentioned that Louie had asked her and she had said no, but like Sarah Silverman's been big enough for a long time that like, for me, that shows that it's not necessarily him taking advantage of a position of power. It's just some sick fucking fetish he has. Yeah. And not necessarily sick. Everyone has their own fucking fetishes, but like it's clearly some fetish that he has. Uh, And I, you know, I'm sure he's not thinking 
hey, I'm in this position of power when it happens, right? And this is kind of the thing where are we really doing deep dives on what happens when a story comes out? uh, Or are we just condemning everyone? It seems a little different between him and Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Exactly. You know, not even a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) That was more sarcastically. But yes, significantly different. Significantly different. So, Mm. yeah, I don't know. Especially if he's asking permission. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, obviously there's like, even when it's something that is like, I don't know, so innocent. Like when you have a friend over, it's like, hey, do you want this? And the friend's like, "Uh, no, I'm okay. It's like, oh, no, come on. Like, okay. Uh, You feel kind of awkward to oblige. And I can only imagine what it'd be like in a position of power and that it's something to do sexually yeah so i can understand that to a point but at the same time he's i don't know i i i don't really know so much about the louis ck issue but number one if he's asking i think it gives the option to say no yeah you know i don't know that's yeah. and like that that's that's me not knowing all of the story and also me as you know, Tim put it, white heterosexual male yeah. and not in the showbiz where someone can just bury you instantly. Yeah. Well, so. it's interesting to think about like, cause I, I would love to be a podcaster. I would love to, to do this full time. If I felt like I was getting into a network and everything was going great and someone was like, Hey, honestly, this is just my thing. I want to jerk off in front of you. You know, at what point do I put my dreams on the back burner and like, I really believe in myself. I don't need to sit through this or do I let it happen? And I I can't I can't honestly answer that question. I would like to think that, uh, you know, you wouldn't get punished for it. But fuck, who knows that? I think you're going to come up with a podcast later on that topic. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot bigger question than I can handle. Honestly, it's it's uh, way bigger than us in it. But uh yeah, it uh, it sucks that I see a friendship end, and I think that's a a messy one. That you know, I don't necessarily think that you know Franco should be burned at the stake for, but uh, obviously there was some uh, the hanky shit happening. Mm. <clears throat> Probably gonna cut all. Yeah, of this. <laughs> it's. I remember. Do you guys remember what came out about Aziz and Sorry? No. So someone released a story saying that Aziz had uh, like taken advantage of her. And then Aziz told his story and he was like, no, I just like had said, I don't want to be in a relationship so many times. And then we, she was like, I'm cool with it just being like casual one night stand. And then she wasn't cool with it and is trying to paint it like it's something else. But here's all the DMs. Here's all the messages. Here's everything. Like, it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Turns out that, you know, but like Aziz had to like go in hiding still for like, they had to like, he had to go dark for a few months before like the wave passed. And it's just ridiculous that that has to happen. I uh, was listening to uh, Q on uh, Practical Jokers there. He was on Tom Steve Dave and uh, he was explaining that many of his friends many any of them that choose to have sex with somebody uh will has cameras in their rooms and they essentially sign uh releases now and it's like oh if you're not comfortable having sex in front of a camera that's fine 
but that's the only way to protect themselves is that they have videotapes mm. them like having sexual intercourse at any point, like anytime yep. they're in the bedroom. And it's sad. Unfortunately, I don't know, necessary, I guess. Like, and I guess you can just, you, you find that line between what you feel comfortable with. And I don't know. Fame seems to suck. No one seems really I know fucking a guy. happy now. <laughs> I know a guy who became a male stripper and he started a stripping male stripping company on Vancouver Island. Wow. And like, apparently that was like the only thing, <laughs> like he was the first one to do that in Vancouver on Vancouver Island. It was based out of Victoria, obviously the bigger city. And he would talk to the guys. I was like, Hey, there's like, I did it before in other provinces and other cities. It's going to happen. I don't care what you do, but one consent. They want to do it. And you know, you, you got, you, you ensure that they're okay with it. Number two, if you ever do it, you do it with the door, the bedroom door open. So like if, if say, because say the woman picks up the, picks up the one of the dancers or the performers brings him back to her apartment or, um, you know, a hotel room or whatever the door to the, the unit that's closed but if the partner comes in then the bedroom door is open and they can hear or possibly watch what's going on first opposed to just opening the door and assuming what's happening so it covers their ass a little bit that's what he's was, was like why mm-hmm. is the door open and he's like well this way they can kind of like get an idea of what's going on they can sit back and listen and vice versa i'm sure it happens with um you know female performers bringing a male back it's the same oh. thing just to like build that case for somebody walking in so they can kind of get a, an idea of what's happening because what he said was, um, you know, like somebody bursts in and then it's like, Oh my God, he took advantage of me. He did this, he did this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, hang on time out. No, this is what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it, he's just got to have consent forms on his phone. To get people, to... <laughs> right, so I got to take a photo of your ID. I, We're taking you're, you're taking my freedoms away, right? Yeah. You're taking my freedoms away. Hmm. Oh man, uh, I remember I had a bit back when. Do you guys remember when James Gunn got removed from Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Uh, for like a rape joke he had made like ten years before that. Uh, he made like a rape joke on Twitter like 10 years before. And uh, like, I had just thought how ridiculous it is that we're like digging up people's past from yeah. like way before and judging them based off something they said when they were a lot younger and uh, like in a completely different part of their life. And not only that, but like, especially when it's a fucking joke. And, and the level that people get offended. So I had a bit, and it went something like this: like, let's be honest, like, if regardless of whether you like a rape joke or not, you know, you know who really probably doesn't like rape jokes, rapists. <laughs> like, I imagine. <laughs> I was like, what if, what if I took one of your favorite things to do and just made fun of that constantly? How would you feel about it? Huh? <laughs> Like, I imagine a rapist, when someone makes a rape joke in front of them, is like, rape is a very serious thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Oh, God. I, it's a big part of it, man. It's not that easy, you know? It takes a lot of time and dedication, a lot of work involved. I think I have a couple of things in my past that could get me canceled. Like, but oh, I don't fuck, know. Oh, fuck, of course. It's crazy that we're still, like, I feel like cancel culture, uh, that it's still a hot-button topic. I feel like the pendulum should be swinging the other way soon. It quite hasn't yet. No. Not yet. Yeah. Um. So we've talked about this movie before. Maybe we just do a quick, uh, quick one-two on it. Zach and Miri make a porno. Uh, good movie, bad movie. What are your thoughts? It's entertaining. Craig Robinson's in it. Absolutely. What a cutie. <laughs> cutie. I had some good laughs. Acting's not the best. Storyline is similar to Judd Apatow. I can't really write that final act. Um, for this one, at least. But I, I had some good laugh. Laugh out loud moments, for sure. Mm-hmm. I recently re- yeah. watched this movie, and I found it like a warm blanket. I highly recommend going and seeing it if you haven't. Uh, the look and the colors of it, I think it's beautifully shot. I like all the characters. It's funny and weird, but I'm a big Apatow fan. So, you know, uh, Kevin Smith making an Apatow movie with a lot of his actors even in it, like pulling them into this world to to display this. I think it just makes it work. Uh, and like you mixing in some of the Viewisk Universe people. Uh, highly recommended. I think all the the jokes land. The character that Seth Rogen plays as such a flawed, shitty person, but trying to grow throughout is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, you know, it's a all right movie. It's definitely worth worth a watch. Uh, Craig Robinson has a relatively decent part in it which always makes it makes any movie a little bit better uh chalupa and i have talked about craig robinson before we talked about him like 30 minutes ago tim when you took your little break i so love that man how much i love craig robinson can we do an episode yeah. on him because i want to watch hot tub time machine again soon <laughs> i would love to do an episode on craig robinson Fuck i would man. just spend it talking about his role as doug judy in brooklyn 99 <laughs> <laughs> Pontiac Bandit. The, the, was it the sh- smush shush? The fucking blanket <laughs> to, to, the, to have sex quietly under? Rosa. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. There, there are certain people where I think we could do an episode on that are just so off the beaten path, but have such great content Craig Robinson's one and uh, Jason Manzukis, I think would be another one I would love to do an episode on because oh, he's so yeah. ridiculous he's showing up in everything he, he had a fucking toe fungus commercial that I saw him on recently <laughs> uh, we'll add it to the list of things uh, specifically the toe fungus commercial we gotta get a hold of that <laughs> we, need, we need that we need that piece of information <clears throat> mm. Mm. Uh, yeah i think uh maybe we we aim to just cut it here 
because I have a feeling the next couple movies are good starting points. Uh, oh, big for, time for part two because the next ones are like fanboys and observant report. <laughs> So Tim's gonna be... freak out with fanboys. Yeah, Tim. More Tim's so gonna go on at least before. a five-minute bit on fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then observe and report. Tim also would like to talk about and convince us that is not a horrible movie. So fucking good. It gets confused with Paul Blart, but it's a. It is a dark, fun movie. Mm. Meh. 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 Interesting. Uh, very interesting well this has mm. been couch critics canada uh i hope you enjoy us we've already told you to go out rate and review us if you give us a five-star review we will read it on the show if you have ideas from what we talk about let us know email us at couchcriticscanada at gmail.com you can find our instagram at couch critics pod i think i'm not really sure maybe it's couch critics canada <laughs> uh we also have a twitter but i don't remember the name of it you know, social media isn't my thing, and hopefully I can put that off onto somebody else. This has been our Seth Rogen episode. Uh, one thing that I will say is come back for part two because I'm going to explain why The Green Hornet is one of the only watchable superhero movies from the last ten years. Look forward Oof. to it. I'm going to throw this over to Chalupa. Chaloops, say bye to the people. I'm so happy you were able to join us today. Not saying goodnight, just saying. That's from Queen's Stone Age. <laughs> it kind of butchered it, but it's pretty close. Brian. Pretty close. Uh, yeah, really not much more to say then. So long, farewell. That's it. That's all you get. You don't get any more from me. Aaron Schlipper um, here, not saying goodnight. Just saying. <laughs> It's been a good night. Not saying good night. Just saying. That's the line. Right at the end of the Mosquito <laughs> song. But uh, TV slash not just BS. Come play GeoGuessr with me. We're doing Flags of the World lately. Ooh. Is, yeah. Oh my god. Splooging everywhere. I love flags. Yeah. I, I actually <laughs> I had to look up this one flag. So when I drive to my work um I'm driving by this one house and every time I drive by it, I'm like, fuck, I almost feel like pulling into this driveway, just knock on the door and be like, where's this flag from? It's a yellow flag with three horizontal lines that are quite thin. And so I type that <laughs> yellow, yellow flag with three red horizontal lines. And it's like instantly pops up the former uh, Republic of South Vietnam. And hmm. I'm like, well, of course it's that one, right? Everybody knows the former Republic of South Vietnam flag. But yeah, yeah. So that was a good one to learn. Now I know. I uh, I I always think of an old when we talk about former republics. Uh, I always think of a joke whenever I'm playing GeoGuessr and North Macedonia comes up. Oh. I always I always think of the former Yugoslav Republic of North Macedonia. <laughs> I, I think about that because there's a Canadian comedian. His name's uh, Pete Zedlacker. And he was talking about, like, I think the 96 Olympics. Uh, yeah. And the they had one athlete come out and, like, just one person with the flag. Uh, <laughs> but, like, every country is, like, clapping and stuff. And they have a ton of athletes. And it gets to them. 
And it's like the former Hugo. And he's like, you can't even clap to it. It's just like such a long ass name. <laughs> the person's <laughs> breathing it like, in big deep inhale halfway through. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard about that. And I also heard a joke that like, like, well, we're not Macedonians. We're we're Phyromians. And it's like, good <laughs> lord, so dumb. They are now known as um, the Republic of North Macedonia. So it's, it's shortened up. Yeah. Yeah, the Greeks no are more. allowing it. The Greeks <laughs> yeah. are allowing it, or some Greeks are, I suppose. Well, and, great country uh, though. If you ever you get the chance have... to go, wonderful country. If you guys have made it what to day? the end of the episode, I will suggest <laughs> that uh, one of our upcoming episodes is going to be Kate Winslet. So uh, if you haven't seen all yeah. of her movies, uh, make sure to jump on and check her out. Uh, I'm going to try to get through four or five of hers. See the yeah, movie where she kills out, Leo. Baby. Like a goddamn monster, because uh, we both know they could have both fit in on that fucking sheet of wood. That door was made of high-quality soft lumber from Canada. <laughs> we need to have, like, a good sign-off. Finn. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> Something, yeah. We'll figure it out. Have a Send week. us recommendations. Is that it? That's it. agree with you um and i think something weirdly important that we have to point out with the point in time that we're doing this like because uh, we had mentioned like this is the beginning of february in canada and right now we have a convoy of dickheads going to the capital to protest <laughs> now you can protest mandates which absolutely there are some weird rules like a waitress can serve you uh, in a restaurant, but she can't eat at that restaurant if she's not fully vaccinated. Of course, the shit is weird and annoying, and I tend to... Well, I don't tend to. I stand on the side of science and the vaccines, and unfortunately, we live in within a society, and when you do that, you have to make certain sacrifices to get by. But when I'm watching news coverage of my fellow Canadians having serious conversations with the anchors happening. And in the background, people have decided to write swastikas on fucking Canadian flags. They're jumping up and down on the war memorial. They're, you know, people wearing fucking star of David's on their shirt to represent how we are now like the Jews in the Holocaust and people that show up with actual Nazi paraphernalia. Maybe something like this is necessary. Maybe I don't understand. Like, like it, it legitimately made me question trying to watch the show and feeling like, why the fuck are you making fun of me or saying that I'm the bad guy? And then you flip over, watch the news, and this shit is literally happen, happening in our province a couple of kilometers away from us. Like, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's it's... A weird situation. So I will always support people's right to protest. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when we stop supporting people's rights to protest is when we start to lose 
some of the core elements of democracy as a whole. Uh, so I will always support people's rights to protest. How they choose to protest is a completely different thing. <laughs> uh, I will rip people apart for doing stupid shit like a truck convoy. Uh, I think that's silly from multiple standpoints. A is, as a protest, you want to strike a balance between getting heard and getting your message out there. So you're going to have to inconvenience people a bit to get your, to to kind of create some sort of some sort of hype around your protest. Yeah. It's bound to happen. Does that mean you need to drive trucks a, a large convoy of trucks across the country? Uh does it mean that you need to basically try to shut down a city for a an extended period of time Steal no and also the homeless do you need the the it's been so poorly conveyed the messaging and so mixed and this is the problem with protests like this uh that just build on social media there's no real like spokesperson there's no real person that could kind of just like Hey, I'm going to take the reins. I'm going to be the face of this. I'm going to talk to media. I'm going to be the one that kind of controls the narrative for and represents the group. No, it's like you see a clip of like 50 different people that get interviewed and, you know, two of them may have poignant, maybe very poignant and have respectable points. Uh, and then like 10 of them are just there. And then like another 10 are f absolute fucking morons. And then you get a dude that, uh, is comparing our government right now to a fascist government and calling our government Nazis is like, well, uh, as much as I like to joke about Winnipeg yeah. <laughs> and make fun of Winnipeg, first off, Ottawa is not Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, as much as I like to, as much as I like to joke about Winnipeg, uh, it's like people are privileged to a point where they they can just throw around words like fascist and Nazi, and it goes the other way too. People throw around words like racist for, and it, most of the time it's just these blank labels. But like no one seems to really understand the words. Like even back when people were calling Trump a fascist, I was like, he's not a fascist. He may be like say what you want about him. You may not like him. He may be a fucking douchebag and giant bag of uh, he may be have some sort of unnecessary unhealthy twitter addiction uh <laughs> things like yeah. that but uh he's not a fascist like his policies are nowhere near what fascism is no. and definitely it's the same thing like our liberal government from a policy standpoint is it's just nowhere near right so i mean you could almost you could argue it is potentially slightly closer than what Trump was doing, but also calling them Nazis is all different than calling them fascists as well. Yeah. That's the other thing that needs to needs to delineate to a degree. When I was working for the government of, government of Alberta as a fire patrolman issuing fire permits to landowners and farmers, you deal with a lot of old farm guys, right? And 
<laughs> they're still pissed at Trudeau the Elder for changing, uh, you know, Fahrenheit to Celsius and miles to kilometers. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I got called um, a fascist at the beginning of a, of a conversation with this one uh, elderly farmer. And then at the end of it, I was a communist. <laughs> and I'm like, are you just throwing dictator words at me? Like extreme left and yeah. extreme right? Like just because you're mad and you don't agree? I'm like, it's like that Simpsons joke with uh, McBain. It's like, I'm being chased by communist Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. It's not possible. Um, I also wanted to bring up another thing. Um, so in Alberta, a number of years ago, uh, the premier, uh, Jason Kenney, uh, UCP government, they introduced a bill, Critical Infrastructure Defense Act, which essentially uh, means that you cannot protest. Uh, legally defines essential infrastructure to include public and private infrastructure, such as pipelines, oil and gas, utilities, telecommunication, highways, railways, mines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you cannot protest or barricade or blockade any of those things. So... <laughs> Initially, it was brought up like, to be like anti-Indigenous and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff to make sure that those people wouldn't be protesting. But lo and behold, <sighs> and no one, nobody, nobody was uh, from the oil uh, companies or anything like that, like industry, were uh, protesting that, you know, anti-protest bill. <laughs> my freedoms, my rights. Nope. They're all like, hey, I get to work. This is sweet. I don't have to worry about protesters. That's sweet. So you have people that are being told not to protest. To me, that takes away more rights and freedoms than somebody having to be like, hey, you need to show a piece of paper that you have this thing to enter in yeah. some establishments. Not all, some. Yeah. And my rights, my freedoms. Well, and, and Biden's not going to overturn the laws of letting people in and out. And I guess it's worth saying just to acknowledge all parties in this. Uh, thank you to the 99% of all truckers that are still going to work, still doing their job, who are getting called pieces of shit because of these pieces of shit. Like, thank you for carrying on. We know that you're doing your part too. It's unfair that you're getting lumped in with them now, but history will will look kindly on you. Like, Well, and it's just things are so much more dynamic as well when we, when we talk about the labeling, Chalupa, a little bit. And Tim, that's a very poignant message as well. Just saying thank you to people actually doing your job still and being <laughs> contributing to society in a meaningful way. Yeah, that's, a job uh, that that's is what we fucking hope tough. Most people do. Yeah, yeah. And and being a truck driver, I know people that love it. I know people that do it because it pays decently well. But like, it's not a fun job by any means. It's no. and it's much more demanding than people realize physically it takes it takes its toll uh so i don't want to discount anything from any truckers by saying that the people that are doing this convoy are uh maybe silly in the choices that they made in terms of how to protest but the other thing too is like when people call someone a fascist they look at kind of that traditional political spectrum like far far right versus far left but like the political spectrum is a lot more than just left and right these days and like you you really need to you really need to have a full better understanding than we do uh to 
really truly understand what that means these days. And I just, I am baffled by it. But at the same point, you have Trudeau basically calling these people racist and bigots when just once again, taking not a few bad apples. There's quite many more than a few. I love the whole, a few bad apples. A couple of bushels. bushels. Yeah, exactly. You've got some bushels there. Uh, But once again, just calling out an entire group for basically calling and dismissing an entire group because of what a portion of that group does is stupid. You know, I, I just, it's such a fucked up situation. Protest, protest all you want. Uh, pro, some of the laws that have been put in place are stupid. Absolutely. No one disagrees. Some of them make sense. Yeah. And we're not, quite at that point yet Canada's almost at the point that a lot of Europe is where we'll probably start to open up a lot more. But like people are like Denmark's opening up. It's like, well Denmark handled the pandemic like fifty times better than Canada handled it. What the fuck do you expect? Their population density is wild population than Canada. Yeah. 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 And also a smaller land mass. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then on top of that they have islands. Islands are Everybody knows islands are easier to contain than other places, especially yeah. a, 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 a not a densely populated island. You know, an example, England, where it's a little bit more controversial there. Yeah. And then on top of that, you also have a robust healthcare system there that oh, hasn't God. been taking cuts over the past like eight years straight, like the Canadian healthcare system has. Uh-huh. So, and also I... they have, a, well, I won't bring that one up. <laughs> I, well, like, I think we all love comedy, and uh, I've never written a joke before. I, I don't know if we have time for this tonight, but I was thinking, like, at this point, having talked about what we just talked about, having talked about Santa Inc., where it's an attempt to address how marginalized people might might feel, women, Jewish people, in a predominantly different culture. But for us, making sense of something like the convoy protests, I was wondering if... Uh, we could write a joke together uh, in honor of Seth and Evan. Like what's our version of that? The premise, it, like, it just doesn't matter. Cause I don't think we got time for it, but the premise in my head that I can't seem to shake. Cause I think it's such an easy joke and it's right there is it doesn't matter what I was doing in my life. If a bunch of people with like Nazi paraphernalia behind me started like showing up and cheering me on, I would immediately start <laughs> to reconsider what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm out buying broccoli, and you just got somebody in the fucking background waving a swastika. Yeah, like I'd start to consider maybe I don't need broccoli in my life. <laughs> like, how can you be yeah, so fucking it, certain of something that Nazis show up and you're like, I don't know, they don't seem to get the message, but I'm here because I care. You you brought it up in our chat before. It's very much like that South Park episode with the KKK. Yeah. If we all just do the opposite, <laughs> support the opposite side, then they won't vote for that. It's like, oh, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, fucking on top of that, and like, I'm sorry I have to say this, but like, at what point do you take your flag in from outside? Do you get out a Sharpie? Do you start writing a swastika on it? That you have nobody in your life that looks at it and says, I think this is a really bad idea. Please stop. And then you realize they're a Buddhist, and you're like, oh, sorry. 
at, at what point did Carry on. you start like, you know what, I'm going to really show Trudeau is I'm going to wave a Nazi flag to show them what Nazis they are. You go to Amazon, yeah. you order the flag, the flag gets here, you open it up, and no one at any point between then, like the ordering of it and getting to Ottawa, are they going to say, hey, like, don't. <laughs> what kind of fucking people are you surrounded by? Mm-hmm. I'm uh yeah. I'm going through I, I'm going through my stand-up folder on my computer right now because it's funny that you came to that conclusion as a joke. I don't remember the joke, but I had a joke that's very similar, funny <laughs> enough. So I'm trying to find it. I was uh, thinking of one uh, talking to Tara and I was just like, I feel like making a meme where um you guys both watch a lot of Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. So you know the part where uh, it's Sideshow Bob and it's like uh, they, they're doing the witness relocation? Yes, one of my like, Hello, favorites. Hello, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been seeing a lot of quit living in fear, don't live in fear. And I've always been like, you know, when I, when I hear that, I'm like, well, I'm not Catholic. I'm not living in fear. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to make it like <laughs> the anti-mandate folk are the FBI characters. And it's like, quit living in fear. And then, you know, I'm Homer and I'm looking over to the other FBI agent who's the Catholic Church. It's like, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> Tara's like, yeah, uh, it's actually like every Catholic people, you know, yeah, they're all living mm-hmm. in fear. <laughs> that's, that's pretty oh decent, my man. God, like there's it. so many old joke principles. I used to just email myself like one line to like build a joke off of when it came in my head uh so i'm going through uh and like i just came across an email and all it is is women wearing heels longer than my dick <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a premise <laughs> that i never built a joke off of but it's there <laughs> i've got a folder very similar too because like i told you before i was like yeah one day i'll do some stand-up and I actually haven't opened that folder up in a while because like, it's like, okay, this is the premise. You need to elaborate, though. Write a script for it kind of thing. The delivery, a punchline, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, no, I definitely... Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to steal that if anyone ever writes an autobiography dick. about me. <laughs> Women wearing shoes, <laughs> heels as long as my dick. The Tim Carr story. Um, They're an inch lift. So <laughs> I, I also just came across one let me pull it back up here that just says people protesting gender on stork signs because <laughs> i thought that would be like a funny way to just highlight how ridiculous society got <laughs> like, just like a stork sign outside someone's house announcing like a baby like why is it why is it say baby boy on it <laughs> like, yeah oh <laughs> uh, Oh my god, there's so many little stories that I forgot about that are so good. Oh man. Uh, Jesus. How's everybody well, we, feeling? I could we could do an episode where I just where I just go through these and run ideas off you guys and you guys build <laughs> off of them. Cause there's so many. I'm down for that. I legitimately met a guy at a grocery store that bagged my groceries and his name was Vance, uh, <laughs> which I, which I, I wrote it down 
and I was like, I don't know what to do with this, but uh, <laughs> I think I think there's something there for like a punny joke. <clears throat> they uh, call him the legend. Years ago, that I was working a shit job, bagger. and I just like kept showing up, like baked out of my tree. But there was some kid, and he had like a rope belt on him, and he, he just a really specific look that he tried to like make his uniform into. So I was just like, "Hey, man, what's what's your name? What's going on? I'm Tim." He's like, "Goku." I'm like, "Goku," oh, no. and he pulled out his license. He had his name legally changed to fucking Dragon Ball Z Goku. <laughs> he is, yeah, he's he's all in. Uh, where's the line between cultural appropriation and just fucking sad oh man uh i just there's just an email that's just entitled children beauty pageants (laughs) there's no no jokes in there it's just entitled children beauty pageants just a bunch of pictures (laughs) that are gonna get us canceled yeah (laughs) Uh, they need a. You know how they random drug test athletes? They should random drug test judges of children's beauty pageants, where they not drug test though. Laptop checks. They do random laptop checks just to make sure they're not a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit story> on them. <laughs> uh, uh, Wesley Snipes. I just have one called Wesley Snipes, which I can only imagine is just talking about how black Wesley Snipes <laughs> is. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, fuck, I can't find this thing though. Uh, there's too, there's too much, there's too much going on. I've way too much. I'm in 2017 right now, so wow. <laughs> I've been doing this for years. But I did have a bit similar to that, which I think is hilarious. Mine was the other way though. It was like you could be doing the like shittiest thing but just one person needs to be like yeah man you're doing a good job and how much it picks you up (laughs) (laughs) uh so it's kind of the like yeah if someone with like a fucking nazi (laughs) or like a swastika tattoo was just like oh that's that's a good bit i like that tim I could be going to adopt a puppy, and if someone in the parking lot is just like, yeah, fucking Aryan dog, I'm not going to get a dog. I'll let them put it down. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so just so you guys know, we're coming up to about uh, two hours and 20 minutes. There's that extra, like, 20 minutes of uh, preamble that we had at the beginning where we're just going over show business, but uh, we still have quite a few movies to go. I'm still good to go, or we could bust this up into two parts. How do you guys feel? I think we're going to have to bust it into two parts anyways, but I'm curious if you want to do that now or if you want to hammer through a couple more movies and then do it. It's uh, I'm going to leave that ball in your guys' court. I can go until one. <clears throat> okay. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a good cutoff point. So, with that being said, we kind of talked about, uh, to get us back in on track a little bit, we <laughs> talked about uh, voice acting and how Seth Rogen's done a ton of voice acting. And that kind of brings us to some other things that he does, um, like 